Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square. Today, we boldly start an exciting new adventure in a dark new timeline. It's Star Trek Into Darkness on Normies Like Us. You heard it up top. You better not be wearing sunglasses on this one, because we are about to podcast into darkness when we talk the second theatrically released new Trek film. That's right. It's Star Trek Into Darkness here on Normies Like Us with your hosts, uh, Colin Nunyan Singh. My name is... John Morrison, Harrison, John Harrison, sorry, John Harrison, we're not the doors, we're darkness. Right. <laughs> and this is uh, Cobb Noonien Singh. <laughs> Look, we all have to go con on this one, because he's back, our boy returns. Is he? Maybe. Mm-hmm. Spoiler. Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, we're, we're, we're back at it again. Uh, are we is it a long con you know what kind of con is happening here um jj abrams i guess we'll find out as we dive into the con episode, on the audience that's constantly, right i constantly feel conned by jj abrams yeah what are the pros and cons of this episode of this movie we're going to get into all of that as we do this but uh any history with this one you know the second of the abrams verse you know where you hyped mm. when it was coming out kind of you know where were we um for me you know i wasn't you know, when the first J.J. Abrams Star Trek came out, I wasn't super into it and I wasn't super into Star Trek at the time. Um, so I guess I wasn't too excited for this movie. And then when it came out, it kind of got not great reviews, middling kind of reviews. And uh, so I don't even remember if I saw this in theaters. Colin, do you remember? Well, to mirror kind of what you're saying, like like normies can hear on this podcast my journey with getting into Trek. I think it's like a year before your Deep Space Nine episode, Jacob, where I say like on pod, like I will never get into Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> so yes. coming off that first Chris Pye movie, I was like you, like, okay, who cares? And I did not run out to see this, but I remember the reception being pretty disastrous. How, how about you, Mike? Yeah, I mean, I like the 2008 one well enough. You know, we did that, you know, most recently. And, you know, it leaked, I think, at some point that Khan was going to be a bad guy. Like, they really didn't, you know, spoilers for this whole movie when we get there. But it kind of leaked that, oh, this is who they the villain's going to be. They tried to hide it for right. a while. Yeah, the they definitely did. Actually, it was, like, revealed. Because when they were shooting this, it was, like, super top secret that, mm-hmm. you know, Benedict Cumberbatch was going to be playing Khan. Like, they kept it. It was, like... um you know, they had brief, uh, you know, handcuffed briefcase with the script in it so that no one would know yeah. that he's secretly con and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, yeah, the John Harrison of it. You know, we have this yeah, John, other name. John of Harrison of it. Wow. Um, so, yeah, I knew like, OK, they're going to do con again. And I was like, oh, I'll watch it. You know, I was mildly interested, I guess. I thought the first one was pretty slick, you know, for modern Star Trek. And I think I was more yeah. favorable than I realized when we reviewed it. So I was pretty excited. But I think my thoughts really haven't changed. I don't think it's great. In fact, I'm, we'll get into it. But it's, when I left the theater, was, I was it, like, uh, a little yeah. off. 
It's a movie, man. It's, it's a, a movie. movie. I'm I'm excited to talk about it for that alone. But <laughs> yeah. even I did just to even the nitty gritty of it, watching it this time, and I do have this on uh, digital as I mm. do all the the newer Trek films. Uh, love them. Love kind of the blockbustery feel. But I was like watching this, and I was like, is this movie like? mixed poorly like is the sound bad does it kind of look worse it was really reminding me of the year it came out in let me say mm. that mm. the what i the way i describe this film is it's derivative i think and having seen all the og movies now having gone back watch every single star trek one one a month for the past year or whatever that we've done um knowing you know the plot of wrath of khan and stuff and now seeing this movie it, it puts it in a different context for me. So um, mm-hmm. I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, you might say it's the, the rise of Skywalker of Star Trek movies. Dude, I like that. I yeah. was going to mention that and we'll probably get into I that like when we it, get guys. into it. This is, yeah, it seems like a, a test run. As all these films were for JJ, just a test run of what yes. he wanted right. to do with Star War. But uh, it's not the well, he literally has he Lobot in this film. I will point that out. Yeah, I was going to sort of I mechanical man. <laughs> the Mentis. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I think we kind of went over the general Abrams of, of it yeah. on the first one of these, um, 2009. So I think we could just jump into it. Like, we're going to get straight into darkness uh, right after this. We're back. We're on our trek once again as we're talking another Star Trek theatrical film. That's right. It's the second J.J. Abrams film, Star Trek Into Darkness. What What do we think about the title, first of all? Mm. Mm. <sighs> I mean, it's the title. It's we've been title. through a lot of these. You set up top, Jacob. We've, we've had one where it's like, ah, the quest for peace or the, yeah. the final frontier the quest for peace. That's a Superman one. Or the search yeah, for the, Spock. The search for Spock. You know, mm-hmm. all these all these titles that are iconic, them? yes, but also I would not call great. So Into Darkness, just such well, a weird add-on in my opinion. It's interesting. There was a lot of talk about what to name it when they were making it. And they had all mm. these ideas. Eventually, they decided they didn't want to do a numbering thing because they can't jump. You can't jump from Star Trek 2009 to Star Trek 12 or Star Trek 2 and just redo the numbering. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense. So they said, "Okay, we're not going to do that. We're also not going to do a colon, which you know became the you know during the TNG era and everything. It was Star Nemesis, Trek colon insurrection. insurrection. Mm-hmm. So for this, they're just like it's going to be Star Trek into darkness, no colon." Just spaces. But to hit the word, because you saying no colon, to, it's a phrase. I mean, think yeah. this. It would be like it's if I said star trek up the street. Yeah. Star trek over to Mike's house. Mm-hmm. You just so don't think about it in that way. The they are actively trekking <laughs> in this movie. And boy, do yeah. they behind the scenes. And I think the result <laughs> of this, they we're, we're trekking into darkness. Um, but... To, to a degree. I mean, it's it's serviceable. Yeah. But um, I like it the is title, darker in to tone. be fair. You what? I kind of honestly like the title. Like, I like just being able to say, wow. oh, yeah, Into Darkness, you know, that scene into, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and it's weird. kind of, yeah, I think it's kind of s- signifying that it's going to be a darker tone, which, I mean, even the first Star Trek 2009 had a pretty dark tone in terms of, like, people dying and stuff. So, is it really that much darker than no 2009? But I think there's some themes here. Again, spoilers for Into Darkness, if you haven't seen it. It's 10 years old. Feel old yet? Um, mm. So, like, there's a lot of political stuff of, you know, 
the system's failing, let's say, and it's like a little bit yeah. darker of a, of a literal, a darker Starfleet. And it's like, this might be responsible for like modern Trek. And I don't like that at all. Mm. Um, yes, very true. The institutions and, are failing us now. That's the darkness I think they're referring to in the. Yeah, script. they're going with the, you know, rogue admiral kind of plot, spoiler alert, which again, you know, I, yeah, I said this movie was derivative. And what I mean by that is that. This the plot of this movie is essentially the two Nicholas Meyer OG Star Trek movies combined and kind of remixed, right? So you have Wrath of Khan, obviously, mm-hmm. and then you have the Undiscovered Country, which is all about uh, you know admirals having a this secret plan to start a war with the Klingons, mm-hmm. uh, which is exactly what this movie does. So it's kind yeah. of a combination of those two Nicholas Meyer movies, literally and, the Klingons. Yeah, literally yeah. the Klingons. Which is interesting, you know, because it is set in that time period when, you know, the Klingons were kind of the, the Federation's biggest adversary, but they weren't quite in a hot war yet. They're kind of in a cold war still, but it was, mm-hmm. you know, tensions were rising. Um, and the other way I f- feel this is derivative is this movie came out in a time when, for some reason, there's this trend of every big movie, the villain would get captured at some point, but it was it was actually part of his plan to get captured all along. Right. Mm. So you had the dark Knight, Oh, you know, right. Joker, you had Avengers one where Loki gets caught, but right. it's all part of his plan. And then you had Skyfall, James Bond, Javier <laughs> Bardem gets caught in that movie, but it's all part of his plan. Part of his and those plan. movies all came out like right before this movie. And this, so, this movie is so Skyfall Jacob. So this is 2013, a long time to make this sequel from 2009. Like Mike was mm, just saying in that first mm-hmm. one, but then what? So Skyfall was 2012 or something. I mean, it must Skyfall have was just 2012. been right Avengers was 2012. Oh. Oh. Dark Knight was 2008. So when I'm saying I'm watching this and it's wow. reminding me of a year. Th- that's what it's <laughs> reminding me of. Dude. Yeah. Yeah. So it really Even felt like it was derivative of, it, yeah. of every big blockbuster of the time. So they suck. Know, it's not yeah. my favorite Star Trek movie and we'll get into it. But yeah, and that's to go off Jacob's point. It's like mm-hmm. not only derivative of Star Trek tropes and movies that have already been done. It's derivative of every other thing that was trending and doing it last. You know what exactly. I mean? Exactly. Um, so. And with Star Trek 2009, I felt like they were going in a different direction. And that's kind of why I like that movie is it's so different from the OG Trek in terms of vibe and tone and stuff. Mm-hmm. Whereas this movie, they're just redoing Wrath of Khan. And it's just disappointing because they could have gone in so many other different directions and did something more original and more interesting. Right. Yeah. And there are plot threads, like, obviously, right, we're going to explain everything, but there's, like, secrets, and then it gets, like, you know, we find out that it's Khan, and it's this big reveal. But yeah, like, there's a lot of they, twists and turns. And his motivations are different, you know, like, the 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 um, Admiral is kind of leveraging his crew against him to get him to build new cool warships. Like, yeah, I also, yeah. like, I like the it's idea of that, but it's not executed mm-hmm. super well. No. Um, but Cumberbatch no. is very good, I think, in his scenes. He over and over till your arm weak. Interesting, like, Mike. I think he's good in a couple maybe, of those monologues. Maybe Colin, there'll be some say? different opinions. Well, real quick, I just want to say to what Jacob said about the Nicholas Meyer of it all, because yes, yeah, this film is a Nicholas Meyer remix. And when you're saying, Jacob, 2009 felt unique, yes, I am agreeing with you. Because while it doesn't have what I would say the complex themes that are interwoven like a Nicholas Meyer movie, it does come at it to the point of like, what's that first Star Trek film about? 
consequences. It's like the consequences of this butterfly effect change this, the consequences of Spock not being able to help these people, you know, set the Romulans out on this course. It's like everybody, all these dominoes are falling. And it's a very interesting movie for that. And then you look at like the original Wrath of Khan. And we talked about it on this podcast, the the emotion we had yelling at Joe, who was wrong, who did not like that movie, mm-hmm. I will point out. And yeah. us saying like, no, woven into the subtext that life, Genesis, you know, life and death and becoming old and what happens uh-huh. when you, you, you reach the end of your life, being so woven into a script to look at that and go – well, let's remix it. Let's do our own right. bad version. <laughs> you will never be able to put in the intricate, you know, incredible details that, that Nicholas Meyer was capable of. Right. So yeah, why? And of course, this, uh, you know, our, our main our main crew here is much younger than they were in Wrath of Khan. They're just starting their, their trek into the stars, not finishing it. They haven't even begun uh, their five-year mission. No, no. That's, I love and, the And all of the Wrath of Khan stuff happens after the crew is done their whole yeah. tv show run like they yeah, exactly. this at happens that point. canonically before the episode space seed would have happened which was the original uh con episode in the uh, original yes. series so Kirk is the admiral that con is facing off against it's not some sort of just you know other nameless admiral right right um but you know let's let's talk about you know the beginning of this film how do Please. we you know jump in with our characters yeah uh, yeah yeah you know, coming back from the end of the last movie, we see it's kind of a Raiders of the Lost Ark situation where we start with a separate adventure that the Enterprise is on. We see them, you know, they had to stop this volcano from going off and destroying mm-hmm. a, a pre-warp civilization and some prime directive stuff here. Classic mm-hmm. Trek stuff. What do, what do we think? So it's very red. I mean, the art direction is in it. Like it's it's visually pretty striking and interesting. The aliens are interesting. Mm-hmm. Never seen that. Like the red plants. It, yeah, it's a it's a strange new world, and it's a it's a neat little vignette. And I'm like, okay, okay. You know, yeah. Just because you said that point, Mike. <laughs> in the last one, I really was not feeling this as much. But from the moment we start in this one, where it's Spock, he's in the heat suit, and you've got Kirk running and making jokes, and it cuts back to a Spock who's just like, I. I assume you're joking based on that tone. And he's so dialed up to the robot. Again, it's been four years since he played Spock. I got to say, guys, after these incredible, incredible, strange new world Spock episodes we've been having lately with Ethan Peck, this whole movie, I was like, fuck Zachary Quinto. I fucking hate (laughs) this performance from line one, from him in the volcano suit, from him Mm. being like, I, of course I wrote the letter to, uh, talk about how we did bad guy stuff i'm like i hate mm-hmm. this i hate this spock well yeah, i have it in my notes yeah it's not his fault but after this movie <laughs> i think zachary quinto is the worst spock yes wow. and this is a spock we, uh, focused movie like it really yes, is it a is. Spock yeah. movie yeah i think we're in agreement there and i think the problem is that this movie it kind of resets the relationship between kirk and spock back to like the beginning of the first movie so mm-hmm. like it they really haven't grown as friends, and it sets the, it sets the status quo of oh they're they're different, you know. Spock is so logical; he doesn't understand humans. Blah blah blah. And then even with the um, you know uh, Pike bumping Kirk back down to first officer and being like, "I'm taking over the captaincy again." Blah blah blah. For five minutes, um, bumping him back down. A reminder yeah. that this guy became a captain after one day's of work. This is like <laughs> right. this guy shouldn't even be at this position yet. Right. Yeah. But I feel like it just resets all the character growth that yes. happened in the last movie. It does. To like 
Yeah. Um, and that's like very Rise of Sk- Skywalker, where it's mm-hmm. like things are just happening a mile a minute, too. And yeah. like you don't have a chance to really sit and think. But then when you do, after you finish the movie, you're like, none of this is working. Like, they're arguing, yeah. getting demoted to only get the ship back through a sequence of events. It's like there's no consequence. There's no cohesion. And it's just, right. yeah, it's kind of copy-pasting. Yeah, so much happens so quickly where it's like, oh, Kirk, you're demoted. Uh, Pike's taking over the Enterprise again. Oh, just kidding, because guess what? We had this big admiral's meeting that... Uh, well, there was an explosion that we don't know who did it. Khan kind of yes. cons a guy into blowing John up the library. John Harrison. Sets up Harrison. this whole plot in motion to blow up so, his and can I ask archive. You, the, we mentioned the red herring or to the fans, right? Was them putting out a press release being like, no, Benedict Cumberbatch isn't playing Khan. He's playing... Famous Star Trek character, John, John Harrison. Harrison. Now, yeah. and, and I remember nerds, again, I wasn't in Trek at this time, but I remember nerds being like, oh, actually, he's this unnamed guy who's in the back. Where are you? Do you guys know who this character is? Who is John Harrison? No, no he's not. I'm, he's just a name they made up for this movie, I believe. Oh, okay. Okay. Con Harrison. I thought like, it was okay. somebody they could point to and go like, it's a, it's Scotty's <laughs> friend. And you're like, oh, okay. I don't I believe so. I don't think but, so. I'll double um, check, but I never. I think they're just Harrison. trying to kind of make John a new Harris. villain. Uh, to yeah. say the name so much, Jacob, it has to be somebody. John well, Harrison. A, well, he's an English clockmaker from 1693 to 1776. And we know J.J. Abrams loves Good. naming people John Good. Locke. And after his story, so maybe right. he just Actually, thought did... John Harrison. Yeah, sure. that's too. <laughs> sure. I did read in my research that... Uh, I guess his name originally was going to be John Erickson. Okay. Uh, and, and so in uh, Spacey, the original oh. Khan episode, he first introduces himself as Harold Erickson, I think. And so that's a reference to Harold Erickson. So they made him yeah, John okay. Erickson. But then they're like, maybe that's you know what, what let's I change it to John Harrison because it sounds similar. That's a know. deep enough cut that they should have kept it because... Even people who saw Wrath of Khan wouldn't know no. that. That's Spacey Not had a, a step further. Um, yeah. They should have should have said, hi, my name is Ricardo Montlevon. <laughs> yeah, it's me, Ricardo. Yeah. Hello. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. But of course, so um, he, you know, has this whole plan where he's like, this guy has a sick kid. He's like, I'll fix your kid's illness if you blow up this building that he works as a security guard at. So he agrees to do this. Um and then, of course, we find out it's not really an archive, but it's actually the secret headquarters of Section 31, which is a reference, of course, to Section 31, the black the ops. Best of thing about Star basically. Trek and Starfleet. Yeah. Everyone's favorite part. <laughs> yeah. Black so who, what, are, what are some cool characters I or fans would know that are a part of that organization? Oh, probably oh, you not know, many. Captain Giorgio oh, okay. from uh, Discovery. Michelle Yeoh from Captain Discovery. Captain Georgia. I don't think so, Mike. I don't think that's <laughs> yeah. a real character. Michelle Yeoh is. Michelle Yeoh uh, in, uh, in uh, Star Trek Discovery is um, like a start is a Section 31 operative. And it's kind of, you know, it's, it's mentioned a lot in like DS9 where, okay. uh, you know, they're kind of they're kind of behind the scenes doing questionably moral things, which kind of goes against what Starfleet is about. But they're the again, they're the black ops secret division of Starfleet. If you need to do doing... some false flag stuff on, you know, Federation, yeah. you know, uh, but it, and it's Captain George O. That's a real person. That's who Michelle Yeoh plays. I, I refuse. To okay. Right. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> um, but I. 
yeah, I'm not like a big fan of Section 31, and they were going to do a okay. whole show. Now it might be just a movie with her character, right? But oh, yeah, I they think it's do like a TV movie kind of thing. Morally gray, shady stuff. Yeah, that's basically yeah. their thing. Um, but the explosion causes. There's a rule. If there's an explosion in a Federation thing, all the admirals got to meet in the same room, and it's just part of our sure. protocol. And then that's the real bait that Khan, sorry, John wants. Yeah, so he's getting to get them, them all in a room to he he wants revenge. Room. He wants to wrath them. You know. Yeah, he's wrath. We don't know why he's wrathing yet. They will. If there yeah. was a line where he said out loud, "They will feel my wrath," I would be very excited. <laughs> It'd be a ten that. out of ten now. <laughs> and of course. Kirk, who has now been made Pike's first officer, is the only one to pick up on like, wait a minute. They wanted us all to meet in this room. Doesn't that seem a little sketchy to you? Uh, And then, of course, John Harrison shows up with a ship, starts blasting this room and just murdering um, everybody. Faye Valentine's ship from Cowboy Bebop, you know, with two guns. Yeah, there you go. Flying that around. But yeah, I, I like this part. Like, I kind of was okay with, even though it's like logically, yeah, let's get every admiral in one room. That's bad security. But I like the idea of it's a trick so, and he yeah. just wants to wipe them out. And it's like good action scene. JJ Abrams can do that. Like, as far as yeah. getting us started, the demotion and stuff is a bit much. It's like that literally meant nothing. I'm um, pretty sure yeah. one yeah. of the Gerard Butler movies, the, the Fallen films, either Olympus mm-hmm. or London, do have this plot where they're like, hey, hey, they killed the ambassador because they want all the world leaders together. Mm-hmm. Oh, I know sure. what's going on. And, and him yeah, maybe not the like, most original thing. It's that key for Sutherland show where uh, the entire, like the president and the entire cabinet is killed in a terrorist attack except for this one guy who's Keith oh, the designated survivor. designated survivor oh god yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but so so this basically a lot of the admirals get killed including pike and so yeah. the surviving Our admiral marcus he says go get that guy get john harrison he's gonna here's some special torpedoes i want you to blow him up kirk go get him and then this yeah, is kind so of yeah, Admiral Marcus. And he Marcus, wants revenge for Pike top, dying. Yeah. Yeah. The top Admiral of Starfleet, Admiral Marcus, played by Robocop himself, Peter Weller. Mm-hmm. Uh, what a career. Here's, yeah. Here's your first mistake casting Peter Weller. <laughs> uh, of course, this guy is the secret villain because Peter Weller, Weller mm. is just a very villainous looking guy to me. Mm. Um, he gives off Robocop is? He's good in RoboCop, but he's you a, know, excuse me, Paul Verhoeven called him America's <laughs> Jesus. That is what RoboCop is. How dare you? <laughs> wow, he is. He has to save Detroit. He's resurrected Jesus level. Yes, uh, resurrected to save us from our from that '70s show. That's um, Kerwin Smith. <laughs> but so we get Peter Weller, Admiral Marcus. Now Marcus, that seems like a familiar name. Maybe that'll mm, come up later. Yeah. Interesting. Um, <laughs> no, it actually won't. Technically, yeah, yeah. sort of. Jeez, oh man. Um, but of course, Puck, uh, you know, Admiral Pike now, our boy. And again, we're talking about Zachary Quinto being the worst Spock. Can't compare Anson Mount to oh, Chris Greenwood. Is, he gives me just handsome old man at the beach vibes. He's a guy who's sitting in a chair who's going to talk to you every time you walk <laughs> past him. And you're like, the first time you're like, okay. And then like the third time you're like, Bruce Greenwood, shut the fuck up. <laughs> like I just have yeah. no one to give my life advice to. Yes. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, so of course the mentor for Kirk, he has to die so that Kirk now has this, uh, vengeance that he he feels he needs to have against John Harrison. Mm -hmm. So anyways, Admiral Marcus says, okay, yeah, go send, we'll send the enterprise on this secret mission to go kill 
John Harrison, who they find out has gone to the Klingon homeworld of Kronos, and he's hiding out there. Which, man, okay. I know, JJ, you want to go to Kronos because it's a name planet, but mm-hmm. that's pretty deep inside enemy territory to be sending a, you know what I mean? Like, you could just be well, the plan. past that's, the neutral, but he, but he just needs right, to go to Marcus's an outpost past the neutral zone to accomplish yeah. it. Like, you know what I mean? This is where it's JJ Abrams, like, we got to have the Logic really yeah he's stupid. dialing up the all the drama right let's make but it yeah, as dramatic so, as possible but we um, do get the cool klingons and we go to chronos and yeah well what do you scene. think of this look mike i like the look of the klingons actually i think it's one of the things again stylistically this movie looks pretty good and i like you know the uniforms and the alien design yeah i like the look of this movie I like the Klingons. They're better than the Klingons in Star Trek Discovery. Yes. I'll say that. Uh, I like that the one guy has like piercings on his face. Yes. Very, very I like their armor. Yeah, that's yeah. cool. They're menacing looking. You know, you believe that they're sort of this warrior culture. Um, so that all works for me. So, you know, they, they obviously run into this Klingon patrol. They're trying to avoid uh, fighting them, but it turns into a fight and then... Who shows up? John Harrison. John Harrison. And, uh, saves them, right? So, Gatling guns akimbo, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Let's talk about him now because he's doing space flips through the air, doing space karate. Mm-hmm. I always love to see Khan because, of course, I always forget. Ah, genetically modified. Super strength. Love yes. to see it. Very cool. Mm-hmm. Um, but, Jacob, either defend or approve of what Mike has said because now mm-hmm. we get Benedict benedict cumberbatch talking which to me is the weakness of this film because he is so dialed into playing a greedy dragon at this point in my mind he pretty much only sounds like a greedy dragon i was thinking the same thing i was like he did he was playing smaug around the same time as this movie right and i was thinking very much i was like He's he's doing smell. My again. voice <laughs> is my power, and you're like, yeah, is yeah. It Benedict. He's he is a uh, yeah, enunciating very hard. That's he true. Hits yeah. Every letter. <laughs> yeah, of course he's playing this like superior genetically modified guy, so he's you know has to come off as like this really powerful menacing guy. I don't know. It kind of kind of works for me. I don't know if if there could have been a better casting for this role or not. I mean, not even getting into the, of course, the white guy playing a guy named Khan. Rather, there was a comic. Spanish there was a comic guy. that said he got surgery to blend in. Yes, there was a comic right, that explained right. it away. Yeah, so of course, no, Khan. Yeah, of course, originally played by Ricardo Montalban, a Spanish mm-hmm. guy. Khan playing an Indian name. Yeah, very strange. So. Which yeah. we had a discussion. They explained that too. Like he just kind of grew up in that region of the world. Yes, it's, it's yes. a we're a globalist society. Right. But anyway, well, we now um, know he grew up in Toronto. Thank you. Yes. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> he could have been killed as a baby, but he wasn't. Um, That's right. So, yeah. so what happened? So we so by his great great granddaughter. Um, so Harrison he surrenders. Basically, them. he saves them. He There's this whole subplot with this torpedoes, right? So we yeah, what's the torpedoes? Mysterious he tor- hears, torpedoes. He, excuse me, excuse me. <laughs> Damn the he torpedoes. hears a number. He is threatened by Kirk, who says, "72." Like, I have like. 72 torpedoes. He's like, 72? I love that number. I'm on yeah. board. <laughs> yeah. Hey, who doesn't? Um, so the tor- tor- torpedoes are given to the Enterprise by Admiral Marcus and they're top. the contents are top secret. And actually, Scotty 
resigns because he's not allowed to know what's in these torpedoes. He's like, oh. I'm not having anything in my ship that I don't mm-hmm. know, but it's classified. So he's like, I will resign my, my commission over, over this. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, so he's not on the enterprise and that becomes important later. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they we find out, you know, so many of our characters in this movie, why do they make these choices? Yeah. We have to send second. But apparently, you know, this is all part of this plot of Marcus wants Kirk to shoot all these torpedoes at Kronos, killing John Harrison and thereby starting a war with the Klingons. That's kind of his whole grand plan. Uh, right. And then, of course, there's a, a purposeful malfunction of the engines so that the Enterprise would get stranded in Klingon space and presumably destroyed by the Klingons and therefore tying up the loose ends in, in Admiral Marcus's plan. Yeah. Like you said, Mike bringing up why they're so deep behind enemy lines, that is part of it. Now, that's about as clear as the plan gets. And I do understand it. But for the rest of the movie, I am like, but like, how did Khan get out? And like, why is he like chasing you down for this stuff? It seems like he could have just gotten these torpedoes and left. I don't know. He didn't know yeah. that the people were there or where like, these well, people were. Well, so, he says he put his people in there. So I think yeah. he was so smart. He knew Marcus was going to use the super secret torpedoes that he had to design. So he hid his because people in them. The loose end. So by using the torpedoes, well, right. it would kill his other crew I'm members. I'm not positive. I but Jellico doesn't know the crew members are in the torpedoes. Jellico <laughs> yes. doesn't know that. I'm going to call him Jellico. Marcus. Marcus Jellico, doesn't yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, so, Mark. Okay. He yeah. is Jellico. I don't know. It's unclear. So, so Tom putting his crew in the torpedoes to smuggle them away Khan from get Marcus. Away? <laughs> he, he's just, I'm Khan, baby. I don't know. He just escaped him one day and he's like, damn, why did I wake that guy? Yeah, he was just so smart about it. Yeah, Marcus even says like the huber, you know, the hubris of Marcus to wake up this genetically superior guy who can outsmart him and out, you know, strength him. Of course, he was going to escape at some point, yeah. right? Put me in a so- cage. And I guess um, he's upset because he didn't get his crew freed when Marcus presumably said he would free them. I don't. I can't sure. remember what grudge does okay. he really have to kill all the admirals. I guess it's that. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. And then it, his um, end, his long con is he eventually wants to somehow mm-hmm. gain control of the torpedoes, unfreeze his crew, and have like his super yes. space crew. He wants to take over the secret ship that he built for Marcus that we're going to find out. So that's he what he wants. Continue doing his he wants work. To get his crew of, back. Committing okay. genocide. That and does clear up. Not not become a genocider. Superior. Yeah. And yeah. Marcus wanted to use him in his plan to start a war with the Klingons, but sort of underestimated his ability to control Khan. And also yeah. how much of a hothead Kirk can be. You know, he doesn't follow right. orders, you know? Right. And by the way, so we have a new character. Dr. Carol Marcus, Dr. Carol Wallace, who Excuse sneaks me. on board uh, yes. the Enterprise. Uh, this a is weapons expert. Yeah, Jacob, this is a little late into eye candy territory. Yes, like, yes, what are yes. we doing with this intro scene? What, what mm-hmm. is J.J. Alice doing Eve, here? Yeah, there's a scene where she's like stripping down and Kirk, like she's like, turn around. And Kirk's like looking at her. Very strange scene. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, not necessary, but it was like, now Mike, I swear it was in s- trailers. 
I, it right. 100% was. I recall it being a selling point of this movie. Now, <laughs> Mike, did you hear her say, uh, my roommate, Nurse Chapel, told me about it? Yes. 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 So yes. There's a reference to Christine Chapel where she's like, yeah, I'm a friend of Christine Chapel. And Kirk doesn't remember who that is, right? He was like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, yeah. She's like, you don't know who that is, do you? She she went to the, you know, the outer rim to become a nurse and she's better off. Um, right. So that's very cool. Um, but about that scene where she's... Yeah. Just kind of changing. Yeah. Um, I was in my research. I was looking at that, and there was some backlash to that scene where Damon Lindelof, one of the writers, was like, "I don't know why, like, we did that. Like, I guess it was just, you know, something we had to do." But then Alice oh. Eve, the actress, was like, she was totally fine with doing it. She's like, you know, I didn't have a problem. Like, I worked out really, you know, hard to like have my body mm-hmm. like in a way that I can present it. So she didn't mind doing yeah. it. Apparently. Okay. Um, it does right. feel gratuitous because it's so kind of out of place. They're just like, we need some this like, is Star scantily Trek. clad women. <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Jacob, if you recall, my turn to liking Star Trek was the third film where I was like, oh shit, these two uh, Vulcans are fucking. This is like awesome. <laughs> like when Spock, like Fury Spock is like having sex out of that play. Like, I love mm. it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not right. being a prude here. This just sucks. And they yeah. have to kind of keep uh, Kirk, you know, Kirk's womanizing kind of persona of like well we had like alien nudity in the last movie we need you know we need him some scene of him like looking at a scantily clad woman like we just and had getting out of that. a bed with two cat people yeah, yeah i was gonna say to he, double down. It's, <laughs> it's not like he doesn't do it multiple times in this yeah, movie. yeah. Right. i also was thinking would i have sex with a cat woman <laughs> I was like, this is wild. <laughs> See, that's what Star but Trek course, should be uh, forcing us to yes. confront ourselves with the difficult questions. We do yes. have sex with a cat person, yeah. Boldly I go mean, where no man's gone before. There we go. Um, <laughs> but Dr. Carol Wallace, as she introduces herself, sneaks on board the ship. We later find out, of course, her name is actually Dr. Carol Marcus. She's the daughter of Admiral Marcus. And, of course, this is a reference to Dr. Carol Marcus from Wrath of Khan, who... Kirk has a son with that he doesn't create the Genesis. Honestly, if she had had like a one year old or something in this, Mm. that would have been much more interesting than again. If we're calling the nude scene gratuitous, what is the point of having Carol Marcus in this film? They're kind of they're hinting at like potentially there could be a relationship between her and Kirk. Um, But it was also very Mm -hmm. funny because at the end of the movie, she's like, yeah, I'm joining you for the five year mission. But then. Wait till next month because guess who's not in Star Trek Beyond? Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not. No, you're not. Uh, Alice Eve. Remember when Alice Eve was like the flavor of the month? That's all I yeah. was like thinking watching yeah. this movie. And, and I then, think she cries at one point. I think she does a really good job in this. It's just it mm-hmm. sucks. Well, it's again, they're it's doing, an interesting character. Yeah, they're doing the worst she's like version of a Carol Marcus tribute. Yeah. And yeah. she's like the daughter of this evil traitor admiral. Power who's hungry. Like, who's like that's not the dad I knew. Like he's doing all this stuff, which is like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe he didn't yeah, know that's the dad. Like, that yeah. Way. What right, a right. thing to just say. <laughs> well, that's he wasn't nice. like that with me. Oh, cool. <laughs> but basically that's like, this is the movie, right? It's, yeah. it's, you get to Kronos and then we're just kind of trying to survive the, what is it? A dreadnought class? What do they call it? Well, the so what happens is, is it is, it's a dreadnought. It is the vengeance. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah. The USS vengeance. Subtle. Um, and of course they, they, they capture Khan Oh, he tells Khan Kirk, that, Yo, you're getting played Kirk by Marcus, like, right? Yeah, yeah it's yeah. a trap. Um, Marcus, you know, is using you for his own purposes. Oh. 
You spoke to him, didn't you? (laughs) I wanted to save you the hassle. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, RoboCop. I, you know, what I always love when Peter Weller shows up. I've seen a lot of older Peter Weller show up in stuff like uh, 24. He was in a season of 24 mm-hmm. where he played a a good guy that turns out to be a bad guy, as it, as it turns oh, out. Oh, shocker. <laughs> yeah. Dexter, he plays a Dexter. Cop. Can I just yeah. say real quick, I'm sitting underneath the RoboCop poster. It's not like I have any special affinity to the man. Uh, we rented Buckaroo Banzai as a kid. It's one of the only movies that like, I still cannot get through. I, I have no special affinity for him. But mm, sure. talking about later in life person, he is multilingual he speaks spanish uh french italian he wow. travels all over the world auditing and adjunct professoring uh architecture of the world classes he is so wow. well spoken so well read so mm. well dressed that's, that's i don't know that's great <laughs> it seems like a cool guy awesome. yeah, yeah. And then he'll be like the bad guy in a star <laughs> trek movie and you're like that doesn't make sense as far yeah. as bad guys go though he is kind of chewing it up like whatever they give him like yeah it is i try to save you from that jim just hand him you know you're right yeah Yeah. he's basically john wayne in this film it's very interesting that's true yeah Yeah. and of course his sort of reasoning behind it is that like you know war with the klingons is inevitable i'm just kind of speeding up the process by i want us to win exciting inset yeah Mm -hmm. um and you know a fun fact peter weller this is not his first star trek appearance he was in uh, Enterprise back in 2005. Uh, he was in two episodes not of Enterprise. I was excited about that. <laughs> nope. Yeah. You're going to have to well, go watch he? all of it, Colin. Just like a dude. He was like Archer's dad or something. You, I don't even remember the episodes he was in. Maybe, Mike, you remember. Did yeah, he play the beagle or the point. dog? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he played the, the beagle. Yeah. Um, I'll look um, it up, but um, yeah. he's the one so, still so, stuck in a transporter. <laughs> but yeah, so this is the whole movie is this dance between Khan trying to get Kirk to think that. You know, Marcus is the bad guy wholesale, and like yeah. you need to team yeah. up with me. So and this there's and, two you know. villains well, in this movie that yes. also hate each other. Um, yes, Con and Marcus. That's a very interesting thing to point out. Now, my issue with it, Jacob, is it feels like this film never commits to which one of the is the villain. Uh, yeah, a well, there's a lot of red herrings, kind of, where it's like well, a mystery it's going this way. It's all yeah. JJ, but yeah. a character who's in a lot of Star Trek will later describe what Khan is like in this film, and he's like, "Oh, trust me, we never see that Khan, the one he's describing. Instead, right. we kind of like get this other guy and a much older dude, <laughs> and that's kind of it." Mm-hmm. Well, I do want to talk about that appearance in a little bit as well. Um, but yeah, they, they, you know, Kirk has to team up with, with Khan for a minute because they're going to, so there's this super, there's new super ship that Marcus is piloting the dreadnought and it's going to destroy the enterprise and Marcus, Admiral Marcus is willing to kill the entire crew of the enterprise just to cover up his involvement in this plan and to start a war with the Klingons. Mm -hmm. Doesn't seem like, you know, the ends, you know, justify the means kind of thing. You're killing an entire crew of Starfleet officers, but, uh, and you know, you have a crew of your own ship that's willing to do this. I don't know. That's a lot of people in the Starfleet that apparently are the needs of the many, that, son. Yeah. Um, uh, can I can I ask a question about the dreadnought itself? Yeah. Is it good or is it terrible? I hate it. I hate how big it is, mm. especially Just when it's supposed to be large. Com- yeah. Black Enterprise, Mike. Are you saying is that good? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. And like they made it a warship. They said Khan says it could be crewed by one person if necessary. So why is it that big? Yeah. 
It's the dumbest thing. It's double it the could be size, like the defiant, speed. a tactical it can stealth be piloted bomber by one man. Yeah, and it was what being made in secret. Everything you say is contradictory. Yes, <laughs> to hire. should have made like a Starfleet single. That they're making this warship. Yeah. Again, it reminds me of Rise of Skywalker when you know Palpatine was secretly making all these destroyers out of nowhere, right? <laughs> this Box was a baby bubble step. ship was so cool in the last one. Mm-hmm. And if you yeah. get someone who's thinking like truly, like I am an advanced intellect, I'm going to make stuff beyond your dreams. It's like, no, you made the thing we have bigger and painted it black. It's like yeah. that's not creative. Mm-mm, yeah, not at all. What are you talking? About? At least Narada was cool looking. Yes, that I was too say, big yes. as well, yeah. but it was interesting. Yes. Yeah. It was too big. There's my, yeah. there's some size issues in this franchise. And, the, and this is bleeds into like the Shrike in Picard, like this design choice. Some of the choices made here, I think, infect Shrike later Trek in a negative way. Shrike. I it's still see too that. big. I mean, anyway, but, but um, Eric Bana's ship in the, in the first movie was that's too what big. he was saying. Oh, OK. Yeah, it looks interesting, um, but it's also too big. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, so you were talking about the aesthetic of this movie. I would, I would kind of disagree a little bit and say, I didn't Mm. like some of the aesthetic choices. Like even the Starfleet uniforms, when they're wearing those hats, I thought that was very silly. The hats are silly. Yeah. Yeah. Why are they wearing those hats? That looked Starship Troopers. Speaking of Paul Verhoeven, Starship Troopers, Nazis. I was like, this is not (laughs) what it would look like. I hate this. They wouldn't wear those hats. No, that's, I was thinking. But the, but the, the peel off suits after the first fire mission. What did you think of those colored mm-hmm. sort of? Because that reminded me of motion picture almost. Because they they had like mm-hmm. the the single splash of color with all the silver body stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those were okay. If anything, I think for the formal uniforms, they should have went back to the maroon jackets of the, yeah, the maroon movies, monster. Right? The maroon yeah. monster. Yeah, I would have loved that one. I would have loved of, instead that. of a gray suit with like a Nazi hat. Yeah, very suddenly weird. Chris Pine's hair is curly. You're like, oh, oh yeah, it's happening. <laughs> yeah, no, we've definitely yeah, <laughs> the transformation has begun. <laughs> um, but that's I mean, then we just get what scenes of Khan doing. They do some missions. They fly so, out in space. They uh, almost you know. get blown up by this thing. They cons like get me on that thing. They're like, okay. Turns out yes. Scotty's on the thing because they almost get blown up. And Jacob, so when Kirk you says, said earlier, yeah. well, the rise of Skywalker pacing happening. of like <laughs> them just being like, this is this, this is this. We have to do a dangerous thing to even walk across the street to go to this thing. And you're like, this yeah, is it's so needlessly complicated. It's very. I'm not capping your captain Spock. And I love you, but I can't talk about it. Like it's right. And they're like, you know, the first one, we had this skydiving scene where they went down on this drill thing. Everybody loved that. Also excessive. So let's just do that again. But they're jumping from one ship to another ship and they have to go through all this space debris and everything. Um, now, this is where Tom Cruise would say, I know you're good at skydiving. <laughs> How are you at side diving? Right. <laughs> Tom Cruise would demand to go to space for real. And do it in space. Jump between uh, two bodies. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But Scotty lets him in the door because he's, you know, he's smuggled himself. Last second. Great comedy scene. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So then they go to the bridge of this ship and Kirk tells Scotty to like knock out Khan when he gets the chance. So he does that. But of course, Khan wakes up and overpowers everyone, kills Admiral Marcus. Crushes his uh, so skull one of our with his bare hands. Yeah, awesome. Yeah. So one awesome. of our big villains of the movie is just dead about halfway into the movie. Ah. And now Khan becomes the, you know, overarching villain. Mm-hmm. Um, and, then and then what? He sends him back to the Enterprise. <laughs> he takes control of the ship. Yeah, no he, he wants go to go down to Earth. without its captain, you know? <laughs> yeah. But he right. wants to go to Earth. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, the reactor. Oh, man. Can I speed run it? 
There's a well, yeah. There's a lot that kind of happens. Yeah, it's but not before important. we get to I mean, Earth, this is what the movie is built around. We're going yeah. to do the Wrath of Khan moment, but in yes. inverse, right? And that's, that's right. We get they get damaged by this dreadnought when they're escaping. Whatever you know, Kirk has happens. to do a thing to save the Enterprise, but he gets radiation poisoning, so he's in this thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's the re- at end of Wrath of Khan, but the positions are reversed, so it's Kirk it's, that's dying. Instead it's of a wet dream that William <laughs> Shatner has had, where he's. Yeah. Like, I deserve to have that death scene too. I should have just repeated it in our next movie. And instead they do it. He's like, why didn't I do that? Yeah. And yeah, it's a bigger room. It's a shinier room, but it's a way worse scene. (laughs) Yeah. And even has spot is Scotty is being the one that's like, we can't go in there. Yeah. Instead Mm -hmm. of bones. Now, uh, Back to my Ethan Peck comment. We get the Zachary Quinto tear here. It's supposed to be this huge payoff that like a Vulcan again is showing emotion. I really yeah. just don't think it hits. And I don't I don't think it's just because I'm colored by this other performance now that I prefer. Just mm-hmm. watching this one again, I think it's the pacing where I'm like, there's just so much that's happened up to this point. I, mm-hmm. I don't even have time for this right now. Well, I, yeah. And I mean, this movie is a lot is focused a lot on. Kirk and Spock and their relationship. But like the first movie had sort of the same arc of them becoming friends by the end of it. But then in this one, Kirk feels betrayed that Spock, you know, wrote this report at the beginning that got him demoted. But Spock, you know, of course is going to tell the truth. He does, you know, Vulcans don't it's know how to lie. <laughs> I only have yeah. 12 seconds to let that information sink into my brain before we're doing something <laughs> else as well. You know, that, Oh, they're right. having an arc because of the trust issue with so the they're report. They're trying to, I do the arc over again. You forget about it. Yeah. Yeah. But by the end of this movie, yeah, Spock is so overcome by emotion that his Vulcan side can't control it. So he's, he's crying. And then of course he, you know, Khan is getting away. So Khan's earth, Khan's ship crashes into earth. Khan is like running through the street Spock has chase. to go after him, right? Yeah. yeah. We get a little bit of Chekhov, who a lot of our supporting characters have not really been in this film, but it's like, yeah. the, the transporters say I can grab him if he does. And it's just like, I love you, Anton. I miss you. I just wish there little baby more. Boy. Yeah. My there's baby. One, there's one sequence, because he, he takes over engineering for Scotty. Yes. Uh, but mm-hmm. and the, there's the oh. scene where they're tilting the ship and stuff, and he's running through. Like, that's the one thing that's kind of neat, is that practical, like... Yes. Gimbal ship stuff. I wanted to ask, I'm super glad you mentioned that he takes over when Scotty leaves. Was Mm -hmm. Chekhov's job swing? Was he just like, if you're out sick, he just like knows how to do your thing and puts your colored shirt on? It's interesting because of course, so when Chekhov was introduced in the show, it was in the second season of the original show. And he came on as like the new kid, like the new wonder kid that was going to come in. Um, But then there's also this reference in Wrath of Khan where that's of course, right. Uh, Wrath of Khan, uh, Khan recognizes him, but he wasn't. You, I know. <laughs> you yeah. are not familiar. It's a, uh, yeah, it's a, it's a it's a fallacy because Chekhov wasn't in the in the show in the episode Space Seed, right? So they yes. retconned that he was he was working in engineering, but then got promoted to the bridge crew in the second oh, season. Well, so look this is that. kind of an homage. To so that. this is That's kind of an homage to that where he takes over engineering. Um, because Gene Roddenberry wrote like a book that's like he was working the night crew or something. Yeah, right? yeah. It's like it's oh, more okay. like a fan fan yeah. theory thing that they to explain why Khan would have recognized Chekhov. I love it. I love yeah. it. Dude. Yeah. So that's a 
That's but Chekhov's role is really never that defined in the original series. He just kind of Captain. is there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny that he's, you know, by the time he's like 60 years old in the sixth movie or something, he's still like the new kid. Yeah. Well, it's like Harry Kim. <laughs> he just will never yeah. get promoted. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, Mike. But I feel um, like of all the, yeah. um, of all the original cat, like of all the original crew characters, I think Chekhov maybe gets the biggest glow up in terms of like his role in these mm-hmm. new movies. And especially in the first Rachel one where three. he was like, yeah, he was yeah. doing stuff. He was like, um, I know how to do that. And he's like, you know, transporting people and stuff. So he gets a lot more to do, I feel like, than, um, you know, original Chekhov ever But did. I get no yeah. bones in this. I really get no Uhura. No other Uhura than, like, bones, yeah. Nice Uhura, girlfriend speeches. Sulu. Is she doing Guardians at this point? Like, what is the issue? She was doing, I mean, she must have. Yeah, I mean, she was doing Avatar. She's done Avatar by then. Oh, she's yeah. she's in a tank of water with, like, apparatuses <laughs> on that none of us understand. But she is tired. She is not showing up to this set. Well, she, she said, um... The least to do from movie one to movie two, where like she was like the third most important character in, this, mm-hmm. in the first one, and now she's like just kind of Spock's there. like, hey, could you call New Vulcan? And she's like, <laughs> wow, that'll give me some stuff to do off screen. Thank you. She gets yeah. to speak like, Klingon. Oh, okay. Of yeah, course, her great. and Spock are still in a relationship, so there's some relationship stuff where you know they're working out their relationship and everything and, and then sulu stuff. doesn't get much to do bones mm-hmm. doesn't get much to do i mean bones sulu, at least gets to do. sulu they just pay homage to how much um uh george takai hated william shatner where at the end he's like hey how about you're a captain one day he's like that would be pretty cool yeah well that's also <laughs> right. a, a reference to you know sulu does become captain yes um by the end of the og movies um mm-hmm. So, yeah, and he gets to be interim captain for a little bit. Yeah, but really... Let's, while yeah. we're talking OG, let's talk our Spock moment here. So, mm. after after the death of Kirk, uh, we get, no, no, I will always love you. Uh, he's <laughs> basically like, hey, will you, like, call me? And Naota's like, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it just has this resource at his disposal that I guess it breaks no logical fallacy to be like, hey, me, I have a question for you. Oh, yes? Oh, oh what is it? Right. Yeah. Well, we see them, you know, obviously they meet at the end of the first movie, which they weren't supposed to do, but they kind of break the rules, the temporal rules a little bit. Um, and, yeah, he just calls up old old Spock. And hey, what like, would you do in this hey, situation? Well, I would. This guy named Khan. <laughs> oh, I don't like hearing that name. <laughs> we beat him and it was difficult. That's the whole conversation. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. No again, weaknesses to exploit. Yeah. Any, nothing. No, well, he he's just says, hard. He just says he's the most, he's Get the good. worst enemy the Enterprise ever faced. But this is also a different not trust um, him. timeline. So characters can be different, right? We established that, that they can have different And he was a white guy, right? And then just <laughs> yeah. like you see on Spock's face, like Larry Nimoy's like, I'm not supposed to answer that, but yeah, I don't right. know. He he loved to show his exposed chest. Uh, Very real chest. <laughs> it's like listing out facts. And yeah. when you see those pecs, they are real. <laughs> If so he like, no, our, starts ours quoting like that. Moby Dick, be careful. <laughs> yes, you don't. You didn't leave Moby Dick out around him, did you? He loves that. Shit. <laughs> That's <laughs> He's right. A monologue. No, he's uh, just a white British guy. Thee. Yeah. Mm. Um. So it all yeah. culminates in this. In this, you know, beat him up where where Spock and Khan are fighting, and I love this. It's two like super it. powered people punching each other. But yeah. is Spock super powered? Vulcans though? have twice he, the strength of a human. Vulcans oh, have okay. super strength, and but mm-hmm. you can feel 
the nerd writing like, and then he'll do the pinch and this is over. And a movie executive being like, no, we are not <laughs> ending this on just one guy lightly right. touching the shoulder of another guy. They will be no, punched. We need a punch up. And you're like, yeah. oh, okay. But again, like cry on punch. being genetically modified to be super strong. I was wondering this and I guess, yes, Vulcans are stronger than humans, but would Spock actually be able to overpower Khan after what we've seen Khan do this whole movie? I don't know. But yeah, because I think Vulcan's got to be weaker than Klingons, and he just took out a whole well, platoon by himself. Yeah, yeah and he kind of doesn't. We see his hobgoblin blood come out. Nyota <laughs> comes down and hits him with, like, what do we think, eight stun blasts? And that kind of gets him down. And then basically Spock bludgeons his head in with a piece of steel. Well, like, he yeah, really so this does is not how he's defeated in Space Seed. He gets hit with a pipe. Mm. A lot. Is that true? Yeah. And here we see Spock. With a pipe several times. That's great. <laughs> Again, Spock <laughs> is one his control of his emotions and is yeah. overcome with rage. He's just beating Khan in the face. Um, by the yeah. way, Vulcan blood, you mentioned this. This is a fun fact. Do you know why Vulcan blood is green instead of red? And this is a um, uh, the official reason, I think, in canon. It's got to just be something to do with like the oxygen content or something. Yeah, oxygenation. It's kind of like that, but it's, it's you know, our blood is based, is iron based, right? Vulcan mm-hmm. blood is copper based. So it's green oh. and, and huh. it is oxidizes instead of red. Oh, of course. That's, That's cool. why yeah. uh, rust on something copper is green. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah nice. Um, a fun fact. Blood. That That's is a fun right. fact. Um, so yeah, so eventually Uhura's like, so he's he's beating Khan's face in, and Uhura's like, please stop. Kind of a Finally, trope at this point. The, the I'm yeah. so angry, I can't oh, stop punching. Sorry, yes. rewind real fast. Yeah. Bones has sent her down to do this because he's looking at Kirk and he's like, Kirk's dead. I'm so sad. He has a Tribble next oh, to him. God, and it's yes. like, yes. man, this fucking Tribble. He's like so happy about it. The Tribble comes back to life and he's like, Eureka! And comes up with a plan yes. to revive Kirk. Well, they did kind of, I had to is, point out they the mentioned that yeah. in an earlier scene of like, oh, Khan's blood can like regenerate uh, you know, it can like fix injuries and stuff. So why you need Khan's blood to regenerate Kirk, to bring him back to life. Um, we have so 72 super around, you know, people killing Kirk. that yeah. are frozen. That's like, true. Yeah. I'll, you know what? Need Pop to be one Khan. of them in the microwave, get a blood bag out. I think right. we're good. We're just going to kill Khan outright and get one of his buddies. Yeah. Like, yeah, that would it. make too much sense. Um, exactly. Just don't think next scene. Don't also, think. Is he the right blood yeah. type? I mean, he put human modified human blood in a tribble, so apparently we're compatible for transfusions. Can real quick? One cut back to him saying, "Nyota, we need it now." Where he is like waist deep in tribbles now that he like brought one back to life. That's all I would have. That would that would be great. Mm-hmm. I will say, you know, Bones. He doesn't have too much to do in this movie, but I still no. love uh, our guy. Carl, Carl Urban, Urban, I think he he nails Bones. The like, voice, it's just yeah. perfect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so he's great as Bones. I just wish he had more to do. And he gets to do like surgery on a on a torpedo, which is a very funny scene. He gets his arm stuck in a torpedo. That's what him and Carol get to <laughs> do right. for yeah. the movie. That's right. I, I forgot they do. Have some, just, yeah, all the tension is like, don't cut the wrong wires. Right. Zero. Okay. She just rips it out, and it works. Yeah, it's it like, just works. Yeah, there's don't people in here. Too much. <laughs> Mystery box. What's in there? 
Yeah. I need to see this, Jim. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, let's. Uh, we could probably transition over to final thoughts. Uh, Colin, we're going to beam you down to the surface, though. We're going to let you run a little away mission here, and we'll wrap up for all That's the right. listeners here on uh, Into Darkness uh, right after this. We're back, and if you're wondering uh, where the third member of the crew is, they're on an important away mission. We sent him to Kronos to capture a known John Harrison. That's uh, right. We had to beam him down. Yeah, it's uh, urgent. So for now, we're going to finish up final thoughts here. But before we do, as always, even though it's going to be a solo endeavor, I think I have a good chance at winning against Colin this time. But it's back, and better than ever, right. the Wrath of Cobb quiz. That's right. And you can maybe use your genetically modified intellect to answer these questions. <laughs> I'll do my uh, best. Yeah. So Star Trek in the darkness. All right. Um, let's kick it off. Yeah. So question number one, this was Leonard Nimoy's final film role. True or false? Whoa. I'll Leonard say Nimoy. true. True. That yeah. is true. Okay. Uh, it was his final film role. He died just a little bit after this in 2015. Um, this was his eighth appearance in a Star Trek film, which is the record. Uh, you know, he's, nice. he was in one more than uh, uh, Shatner and uh, um, Scotty and uh, uh, Chekhov because they were in Generations. So oh, they right. had that one on him, but then he had these two Abrams ones. So yeah, uh, he holds the record for most appearances in Star Trek films. I bet Shatner loves that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I'll it's funny because for one more. Right. And for pretty much all, like all these Abrams, the, all the Kelvin movies, like every time Shatner's like, Hey, maybe you could like write me a role. And it just never works out. They're like, ah, oh, we tried, but it just doesn't make sense. Like we already did the time travel thing with Nimoy. So yeah. yeah, can't can't do that again. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, it just wouldn't make sense. But sorry, buddy. Sorry, Shatner. Have Chris Pine touch a time crystal and it'll flash forward to see the end of his life, and that's where you yeah. Shatner <laughs> ride a horse. Uh, All right. Yeah. Okay. Next question. Um, okay, so for this movie, writer Roberto Orci was originally going to take over as the director for this film. Is that true or false? That I have no beat on, so I'll say true just because why not? That is false, but uh, I was trying to trick you guys because I get tricked. stay tuned for Star Trek Beyond because that might be something that happened potentially for Star Trek Beyond. Hmm. Um, so, nice. yeah. Um, okay, here's another question. Edgar Wright directed a single shot in this film. Is that true as or false? A, as an Edgar Wright fan, I do know that he did, but I don't know which oh, yeah. shot. I do know that he did come in. Yes, uh, that is true. Fan. Apparently, you know, a friend of Simon Pegg, obviously. Mm-hmm. And apparently it was during the Klingon uh, fight scene on Kronos. Oh, cool. So he, he directed a single shot of that scene. There's got to be an go. interview where he tells you which one. But yeah, that's a very cool a little Cornetto callback with Simon Pegg. Yeah. So. Um, I guess I like right. this movie more than I thought. Yeah. <laughs> well, imagine if Edgar Wright did a whole Star Trek film. It'd probably be pretty good. That'd be pretty wild, I bet. All right. Next question. This is the highest grossing Star Trek film. 
Is that true or false? Wow. It's got to be false, right? This one's not Well, good. think about it in terms of like, you know, movie, you know, mm. blockbusters really, what they're expected to make changed a lot right over time. So let's think about that. I guess this is in that era of a dark night and big summer movies still being big. Maybe it is. I, yeah. I mean, because somehow Beyond got greenlit. It had to make money, you know. Right. So it yes. is. It is true. Jeez, it's the highest okay. grossing Star Trek film. I mean, the TNG films first contacted well, but then they, you know, they mm-hmm. insurrection and, and Nemesis both didn't do well. Um, and you know, the OG movies they were just made at a different time when like a movie wouldn't make two hundred million; it would only make like one hundred and twenty million. But that was like a success, yeah. right? So yeah, I guess different times. It's not that stiff. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And Into Darkness made more than two thousand nine. And then it made more than Beyond because Beyond didn't do as well financially as they would have liked. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's the highest grossing Star Trek film. Interesting. Okay. So, Into Profit, the Frankie yeah. favorite. Um, here's <laughs> yeah. a question. All right. Uh, Michael Dorn, who played Worf, of course, mm. filmed a cameo scene for this movie that was ultimately cut. True or false? Hmm. I'll say false. That um, is false. That okay. Is false. Has he filmed cameos for Star Trek? So, mm. for this, like, uh, I don't know. He well, was there, so for this. Yeah. My logic was: I know there was Klingon scenes shot for the first movie that got cut. So yes. I thought you were tricking me into thinking he was in that scene and it was cut uh, okay. from the first movie. Uh, yeah. Not this. No, movie, I was trying anyway. to trick you, but he was apparently contacted about playing a role, but it was never filmed. So okay. he didn't film a cameo scene, but he was sort of, it was in talks and he was going to play an officer, a Starfleet officer. So just maybe like a just regular a regular officer. Yeah. Like a human, but I guess mm-hmm. they wanted to, separate the old from the new so they didn't want any you know because it wouldn't make sense to have leonard nimoy playing spock but then have like a character that exists in that same timeline an actor play a different character right yeah so. it's just kind of weird because then yeah we're not bringing shatner back is it someone else who just lives in the universe like hey it's, yeah it's your uncle kirk you know like right what do you do so all um right. all right only a couple more questions uh all right. how about this one um so in this movie, Scotty calls Dr. McCoy, Dr. Leonard McCoy, Bones. And this is the only instance in Star Trek history where someone other than Captain Kirk calls him Bones. Huh. I don't know any other. Like, I don't know definitively, so I'll say true. Yeah. That would be a fun fact if it is. That is true. All right. So, you know, that was Kirk's nickname for him, but apparently everyone else just calls him Dr. McCoy. Right. Huh. So Don't call go. me late for dinner. Uh, That's right. That is a fun fact. Um, okay. Two more. Two more. All right. So, uh, the, so Nicholas Meyer, director of Wrath of Khan and the Undiscovered Country, was asked to come on as a co-writer for the script of this movie. Is that true or false? Uh, I'm going to say false because they're too stupid to have done something mm. like that. <laughs> That is false. Okay. Yeah, I'm trying to trick you, but you're not well, getting with what we got. I don't think the people making this would have thought that they didn't have no. what it takes. <laughs> you know, in fact, actually 
both Nicholas Meyer and George Takai expressed uh, displeasure at this film's reimagining of the con backstory and stuff. So mm. Nicholas Meyer, not a fan of this movie. Well, not the only one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. And final question. All right. The voice of the USS Vengeance's computer huh. is played by Bill Hader of Saturday Night Live fame. Wow. Barry. Barry, the vengeance computer, huh? That seems fun yeah. to me. Yes, true. Yes. Is it? That is true. Oh, that is that's true. great. So I think okay. you did pretty well this quiz. You got, you know, all my, you know, tricks. You didn't fall for them. I got one wrong and one that you kind of guided me. I was leaning oh, wrong, okay. but you brought me back. So, oh, okay. but missing that well, one I think question you did was calculated and always <laughs> intended to put you at ease. Um, yeah. My yeah, some fun facts with this caught. one. Um, yeah. Not a great movie, but uh, I think an interesting movie to talk about. Yeah. Uh, into and Darkness. Just, yeah. Well, we're all in the final thoughts right now on the, yeah. the quiz here. I mean, um, I mean, generally, so, I don't think it's great, this movie, because no, of what we talked about it being so favorite. derivative, you know? Yeah. It's definitely not my favorite. And. Like I even like I, I like Star Trek 2009 a lot more than this movie. Mm-hmm. I think this is kind of where it kind of falls apart. Um, and I yeah, yeah, I would put it down there with some of my least favorite Star Trek movies, like Insurrection, uh, The Final Frontier. So it's in the bottom tier with those kind of movies. Yeah, I agree. It's it's I don't know if it's at the very bottom because I when I think about Insurrection and Nemesis, I'm like, oh no. Um, but like the problem is the original films are so more or less, they're pretty good. Every other one, you know what I mean? Like following the the meme and they did so much with those characters as far as what types of stories you can tell in situations and pushing their relationships, you know? So it's like, well, what do you do when you just reboot those characters? And so the first movie was doing something a little bit different, like we said. And then this is just, I guess we'll do stuff that we've already done before. It's like, yeah, that's the main reason. Yeah. That's the main reason I don't like it is Mm -hmm. that especially having, having seen all the original movies now and knowing how much, how much it kind of cribs from the wrath of Khan and the undiscovered country. It's like, yeah, they could have gone in a more original route. And like, like we said, like 2009, it was doing its own thing. And that's why I kind of liked it. Mm -hmm. This movie, it could have continued on that path tell some new stories with this crew. We don't need the con thing. We don't need it. Like, you you know, and that's, I think also why I think beyond is better. And we'll get to that next month, but beyond they are just telling a new story. It's not like a remix of an OG story. Right. Yeah. And, and that's really the biggest problem is just trying to rehash something, but also keeping it secret that it was con. Cause like, when yeah. he announces who he is, my name is Khan. And it's like, right. if the music sting isn't there, Kirk doesn't know who the fuck this guy that is. Moment that means, means nothing. nothing. Yeah. yeah. And to even to audiences, if you were not familiar with Star Trek history, if you hadn't seen Wrath of Khan, didn't know the character Khan, that would mean nothing to you as a reveal. Uh, yeah. And it, like I said, it means nothing to the characters in the movie. Um so yeah. literally that moment is just there for people to be like, Oh, I recognize that name. Okay. That means something to me. Right. Um, but yeah. 
you could have done a thing where they're learning like and you could put they didn't put in the marketing too like you could have had a build up in the trailer like Khan is a war criminal I'm Marcus we're gonna get him I doesn't work with him at all like you know what I mean like list out yeah. why he's dangerous and make him the enemy of the state and it's like oh Khan's a, a thing there's none of that it's just trying to there's no reason off for the original the, movie yeah and there's no reason for the big mysterious reveal other than this was like the peak mystery box JJ Abrams, Abrams era of like, oh, it has to be a mystery. Like it can't just mm-hmm. be like we can't just call him a con from the beginning. He's gotta be he's gotta have this other name. It's like if, you know, in the dark night, like if the Joker was just like pretending to be someone else and then halfway through the movie they're like, Guess what? I was the Joker this whole time. And none of the marketing is showing the joker like yeah you know what i mean like who's our villain here kind of thing yeah i remember the marketing just being like this guy john harrison you're not going to believe he's like a totally new character and it's going to be great and uh yeah so that that it just didn't work for me Mm -hmm. especially after doing the rewatch and like you know if they wanted to do evil admiral that would have been enough like this guy who has a secret project he wants to false flag start a war with the klingons and just that alone you know because yeah. like oh he's coming up even with that bureaucracy like your ability to investigate it's, it's yeah a star it's trek a trope, trope that star trek's done a, a, you know many times before but yeah i wouldn't mind it like even in the tng episode like conspiracy where mm-hmm. you know they were you know admirals do it you know bad admirals is kind of just a thing that we've seen a lot it is so like if you're gonna do a trope don't do con do a a general bad admiral thing and do it with the new characters and the new relationships don't just recreate these story beats from like classic movies like that's right because strange new worlds shows that you could do tropes but still do them in like a refreshing new way you know how many oh virus on the ship episodes have we had in every series but you can make it work and star trek beyond i think does that in a better way you know when we get to that next month so yeah i'm excited too much to the past is what hurt him yeah Mm -hmm. and yeah having seen also just watching strange new worlds and season two of strange new worlds which we've been watching i think we both agree has been really good so far like Mm -hmm. every episode they've been killing it in season one was great too so now we have these characters uh that we're seeing some of them are the third iteration of these characters right kirk bach uhura fourth even depending on pike well sort of yeah true pilot pike Um, beep pike right true this Um, yeah yeah, because he was played by two different actors in the Mm-hmm. original yeah um but uh, yeah i get what you're saying <laughs> but yeah seeing like you said seeing spock done better you know ethan mm-hmm. peck over zachary quinto seeing captain pike Anson mount mm-hmm. that we Handsome love mount. <laughs> yeah uh and even you know new kirk is growing on me i like new Uhura too so it's like yeah now that we're seeing these characters once again it's like kind of showing where this the, this film's flaws really are yeah and it's also like you could i can feel jj abrams like just remaking shit that he'd seen like i don't think he has an original thought i don't think jj abrams has anything but i really like spielberg like in his brain and you see that with the indiana jones opening and he can direct some action scenes but like it's like he's imitating good directors that's how i feel when i watch an jj abrams it's all yeah, it's all based on like homage of like, mm-hmm. see, this is this is referencing this other thing. So, but it's like you know, you could make a new story, and like that's He's why we like two thousand nine because they were 
you know, they were taking it in interesting new ways. Like, what if Kirk was raised without his father? Like, what if his father died when he was born? That's different than the original mm-hmm. Kirk. That leads to some interesting possibilities. And now you're just redoing the story. So, um, yeah, I yeah. agree with you. Unfortunately, this movie just feels very derivative. And it's, it's trying to be like an homage, but it really just comes off more as like, they're just redoing Wrath of Khan, but worse. Yeah. Yeah it's, yeah, it's it's like he likes mystery boxes because maybe he's too scared to have an answer. Like, he doesn't well, know yeah, how I mean, to have an answer. If you look at Lost, that was the big yeah. problem of Lost is they set up all these interesting mysteries, but then he never knows how to really answer them in a satisfying way. So they're just a lot of the mysteries of Lost were never even answered by the end mm-hmm. of it. And that's why people were disappointed by the finale and everything. Um I mean, even like the smoke monster and remember there was like a three toed statue in the first season that people were like, what the fuck? Like there's a Mm -hmm. polar bear in the, on the Island. It's like, none of that ever gets explained in like any kind of way. Meaningful way. Um, So, and this again, we probably should put it right back to rise of Skywalker because he, at one point just says, I don't know, somehow Palpatine returned at this point. He's just like, fuck it. Somehow Khan returned. Yeah, yeah, somehow. So this is mystery just for mystery's sake. And it makes the movie worse, right? Yeah. Um, and it's no secret that J.J. Abrams wanted to make Star, Star Wars even mm-hmm. in 2009. But they he was basically trying to make Star Trek into Star Wars as sort of a test for, you know, a test run for Star Wars. But he always wanted right. to make the wars, not the Trek. Yeah. And now that I'm seeing this, I kept thinking the whole time, this is just a dry run of Rise of Skywalker because it is just quick, 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 go, 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 go. And it's like, you yeah. never have a chance to breathe and nothing actually makes sense if you take two seconds to stop and think about Even it. the dumb, like, fake outs and like, like when you think, oh, Chewbacca was just blown up in a ship. And they're like, no, just kidding. He's he's fine. Yeah. You're demoted, Kirk. You're not captain. Oh, well, you're captain now. Like, yeah. what the hell? Yeah, just even repeating time. beats from 2009. And I feel like, mm-hmm. you know, Kirk and Spock's storyline is just the same arc that it is in the first movie. It doesn't do enough to differentiate itself as a sequel. And um, by the end of this, they're basically where they were at the end of the last movie. And they're about to go out on this five-year mission. Yeah. I'd rather see them on this five-year mission than see this movie. And they could have, yeah, thank God. And they freaking... <laughs> Like, they kill Kirk, but in The Wrath of Khan, like, there's a funeral for Spock, and it's not until yeah, the third he's movie. Yeah, actually dead. Yeah. yeah. they bring him back in the next movie, but they there's a whole movie about bringing him back, right? It's but not effectively, like, it's, yeah, it's like, you lose that character, and for them just to instantly, oh, Khan's magic yeah. blood, it's like, this is the worst way to do it. It's like, you're you're not treating it with any sort of reverence or seriousness. And even that doing whole scene... Yeah, that whole scene mm-hmm. feels like, well, we have to do this because this was the famous scene from Wrath of Khan, but we're just going to switch the roles. But it's going to have the same emotional impact, but it doesn't. Right? It doesn't land at all. Also, yeah. he's kicking that thing very awkwardly. I think if he would reposition himself, there's a better <laughs> position to get leverage. I hate how he's hanging. It's not the right, right angle. to. It's like, I don't know. That's just a nitpick. But Yeah. Um, it's very but overall, extra. I think we agree that, yeah, this movie, not our favorite. Worst you know, of this. I was, I was, yeah. Fair. And I'm interested, I'll, you know, to kind of sum everything up next month once we do Star Trek yeah. Beyond, the last movie in this series, so far at least, um, mm-hmm. we can really go over like, like I've, I've been on Letterboxd, I'm ranking all the Star Treks, nice. and this one is like bottom three for me so far. So, But next month I will reveal my official ranking 
uh, and I'm very excited to talk beyond and I'm very excited to wrap up this series as sad as it is. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of a bittersweet knowing that we finished all the movies. I mean, four is always in the background, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I, honestly, I don't know if I would want that, but I have to rewatch beyond because I do remember liking that. Um, and I will also do my full letterbox ranking when we nice get to beyond. Yeah. It is bittersweet because I do like most of these cast members. Like I, I still think it was cast very well from the first movie and Mm -hmm. seeing this under different directors like Justin Lin, seeing what they can do with this cast. I would, I wouldn't mind a fourth movie depending on, you know, who's, who's making it and that kind of thing. But I'd still love Chris Pine, Zachary Quinto, even though he's the worst Spock, I don't totally hate him. No. Um, it's just, yeah, now Ethan Peck has, has really surpassed him. And so it kind of makes his, his performance look worse. Yeah. And he's had to do a lot of goofy stuff in Strange New Worlds too. And he still makes it work better than what yeah. Quinto is able to do with awkward stuff. Given well, in Strange New Worlds, they're able to balance the serious and the goofy very well. And this movie mm-hmm. just feels like it has to be serious all the time. And like everything's dark and like over the top dramatic and like yeah. life or death stakes all the time. But it's like a PlayStation 3 video game. Like it's just gray and gritty. Yeah. And like, oh, yeah. Espionage. And I don't really like the And maybe that's arc. why I like Beyond 2 because they're kind of they're allowed to have a little more fun in that one. I feel like from mm-hmm. I haven't seen it in a while, but I'm looking forward to rewatching it. Same. See if it holds up. Yeah. I, yeah. And then the other thing to shout out um, with the casting, the queen of Hollywood, Zoe Saldana. Good job. Like, yeah. Low key, just the the most money making lady in Hollywood. Like I she think. Was just, yeah. And a lot of big franchises from mm-hmm. that started in the 2000s kind of and kept going. Guardians, this Avatar. And a lot of sci-fi. Yeah. So I'm not good sure for if her, she's a just... big sci-fi fan or not, but she apparently likes being in sci-fi projects yeah she referenced the genre well um but uh didn't have much to do in this movie unfortunately you were just a no. supportive girlfriend <laughs> like yeah okay. um but into darkness yeah i'm glad we're i'm glad we're done with it um and why so much beastie boys i forgot body moving was in this so i thought there was yeah. at least one movie with zero beastie boys no Kurt i was wrong beastie boys yeah <sighs> I they do need like to reference have... that in Strange New Worlds. We need to have New Kirk listening to Beastie Boys. He should have heard it in Toronto. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. And then he doesn't know he likes it in the future. And then she plays it for him. He's like, ah, the He's Beastie like, oh, Boys. pretty good. Uh, yeah. Hey, take that. The writer's strike, I'm not scabbing. So don't take that. Don't yeah. take that. All right. Till you pay them. But uh, That's right. Beastie Boys in every <laughs> freaking one of these. Uh, yeah. He loves well, it. Loves it. Well, that's pretty much Into Darkness. Thanks for coming along the ride with us um, and the whole Star Trek thing. So let us know what you thought of it and be sure to get ready to watch Star Trek Beyond and we'll cover that uh, next month. And we might be, who knows, um, Strange New Worlds is coming to an end the second season. Maybe we'll talk about that either a watch or a I would love to talk about that Mm -hmm. because I have so many thoughts just on like every specific episode after I watch it. I'm like, man, I have so many things I want to say to the guys about this you know i'm so excited to talk about it so maybe yeah. that'll be coming in a future episode i would love to do that so uh yeah stay tuned normies and otherwise you know be sure to live long and prosper i have and always shall be your host and uh your host being uh mike harrison regular guy not genetically engineered that's right and this is the wrath of Cobb noonian singh yeah not All right. john harrison <laughs> no just be sure to 
push like, share, and subscribe over and over until your fingers over. weaken. <laughs> and uh, right. we'll catch you next time. Check out our YouTube page as well. Shout out to YouTube. Videos up there. And take care. Bye. Bye, normies. My name is Gandalf the Grey, and I'm imploring you to leave a like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Don't keep it secret. Don't keep it safe. Don't take me as a conjurer of cheap tricks, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Normies Like Us. Fly, you fools!